Hey everyone, it's the Catalyst Coach, Malika Stubbs, with another episode of 0.68, The Catalyst Effect. I hope you're having a wonderful day and I appreciate you taking the time to listen. This season was inspired by a tweet I came across on social media on resilience by Zena Shea Brown. Her tweet really resonated with me and required me to do some additional inner work, which led to the creation of this podcast, a blog, a companion journal, which you should check out on Amazon if you haven't done so already, and my upcoming book. The power of storytelling using these different platforms has allowed me to strengthen my resilience. So to understand the concept more deeply, I've decided to hold space for us to do this together on this show. Welcome and enjoy. month I've decided to hold this space and have a conversation um, with myself. So I am your special guest this week and I really think it's important to wrap up this season with um, just my perspective and why I think it is super important um, to begin with the end in mind. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. So This last episode is all about how you begin this work with self. Honoring the relationships you have are so important, but the most important relationship you have is with yourself. The best investment you can make is to pour into yourself. People like to say, bet on yourself. Um, So this last episode really is thinking about the beginning and how we need to have a time, space, place carved out to hold for self-compassion, grace, um, to be selfish in some cases, so that you can begin to do those things to pour back into your bucket, to fill your resilience reservoir. I wanna start with a quote by my, by me, <laughs> I, I wrote this. Um, I was doing some writing. I began this process as a way for healing through um, the PTSD that I suffer from as a result of my cancer diagnosis. And there are just so many things that I hadn't talked about, I hadn't discussed, I hadn't brought up, no one else brought them up, so I wasn't about to bring it up. And I thought about that, and I wrote this down because I just didn't realize for so long, I've been told what to do next. Society has its checkpoints, and I felt like I've been going through all of them, Um, sometimes with ease, right? Got school, did school, got a career, 
did a career, switched a career, got a promotion, um, started a business, doing okay with that. You know, all of these different checkpoints that they say we're supposed to have in, in this society. Um, but I've never had this type of agency over my life. I've waited around whether it was intentionally done. Um, I waited around to be told what to do next, um, whether that's through a course curriculum like school or you know, you have a supervisor in your career or just societal norms, right? Like, so it, it may not be something um, tangible that's telling you what to do next. But for me, it was like, oh, you need to do X, Y, and Z. You should be, especially during the pandemic, you should be working on a side hustle. You know, that was promoted and preached a lot. But I also realized the importance of holding space to strengthen the relationship I have with me. I give everybody else, I strengthen the relationship I have with people at work, the people I have in my social circles, um, even doing work around family. But I really should begin with me in mind first. I, I wanna just start there with how am I strengthening this relationship with myself? I began with self-compassion, right? I had to give myself grace. I had to even give myself permission first. Let's start back. Let's circle back. I had to give myself permission that this was important. I had to tell myself this stuff is important too. This is just as important as your career. You've been through so much. You, 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 you recognize that therapy is necessary. Now you can take the time to go to therapy, to get the strategies, um, to do the work when you're in the four walls in front of your therapist. But now how do you take that and put it into practice and begin with holding space for yourself as a part of building your resilience? Because it's easy to compare or criticize ourselves but what's most important is that compassion for all that we've been through um, and how that has shaped us and our experiences and how it will shape us when we show up in the world, when we are trying to build community, when we are trying to build a partnership or trying to build a career. So the first step I did, and you know, I put this in the journal, is start with the basics. Like it may seem small, but intentional things, small things like um, doing what more of what you like, right? I am into um, gardening, um, being outside in nature more often. So even if it's just me going out and watering my plants, 
water in my garden, investing in more plants because you can never have too many plants. I'm a plant mom. Um, but doing that and filling my, my cup up, replenishing my reservoir as I pour out of me every day into whether it's the career, the partnership, the friendships, I have to start with self first. But there was never a time that I realized I could do that until I started this process of healing. I said, wow, I was in control all along. You know, I am in control of this all along. I've been in control. I've allowed people to show up the way they do. I've, I've shown up in reaction to what they've done. Um, but I can, I can change all of that by first starting and knowing that I am, what is the quote, the captain of this ship. I am the master of my fate. And I hate to paraphrase because I know I'm gonna get it wrong. Um, but yeah, just, just knowing that start with something small, doing more of what you love. And I think with that, um, you know, it can really, really be a catalyst for sustainable change, long lasting change. This part is really difficult. This, this part of the journey that I've been on has been really hard for me. Um, you know, society has kind of, I'm doing a lot of unlearning because um, culturally, this society has shaped me to believe that, you know, this hustle culture and pouring into my career, pouring into my friendships or, you know, that social time is coveted at brunch. No, like instead I'm going to stay home. Um, instead, I'm going to read a book or journal and try to grow and understand me more. Um, it's, it's, it's really been, how can I put this? I think this part is tough. Understanding self requires that we reach back into some memories or moments that we're not proud of or that is difficult to discuss or talk about like me and cancer. But those moments, those times have shaped me in a way that if I don't address it, I'll continue to perpetuate that. I'll continue to show up as that. I will continue the cycle of that. So I just think about how important this moment is to start with self. It could be anything to show yourself compassion like um, I talked about spending time outside, getting some fresh air, doing some mindfulness, meditation, if that's your thing. I could do mindfulness in the shower and have just some really calming music, taking a walk, walking your dog, whatever offers calmness, whatever offers ease to you, do more of that. Um, one thing that journaling has really been something I've gotten into heavy and you could do something as simple as 
some encouraging affirmations to self, write yourself a nice note. I am proud of you. Thinking back on the quote over the last six months of doing this work and journaling and podcasting, having conversations around Zanishay's quote, the difference, I, I like just the growth, the amount of growth that has happened over the last six months. I just feel like I have really began to see myself in a different way because I've held space for these moments. I've given myself grace. I've been compassionate. I've done this work with and with a, res a responsibility first to me, not to anyone else. But where I was in the beginning with, I never <laughs> want to be called resilient again in my life, being exhausted, wanting support, wanting softness, wanting ease. I still want those things. But what I've realized is that I am resilient. I am resilient. I am resilient because I've done the work. I've had the experiences. I am strong because I am. I said it. I've taken time with that. I've processed that. I am accepting that about myself. Before I wanted to fight it. I didn't want to be that. I didn't want somebody putting that on me. So it has been, I mean, just the 360. I don't even hear it the same anymore when someone says resilient. The full circle moment, we get to have that full circle moment, which a lot of survivors never get the chance to do um, and have a discussion around um, what that was like for you as a person who was also impacted by the cancer diagnosis, even though you weren't diagnosed with cancer. People just don't understand, and I'm trying to shed light on that and how, you know, it takes a different kind of strength to support a loved one um, who has been diagnosed with cancer. I couldn't even understand that that had happened to you. Everybody has a history with cannabis. You know, my grandmother back in 2002 passed away from pancreatic cancer. Um, and then I had a best friend that is also your cousin and a mutual friend of ours uh, that passed away uh, three years ago from fighting 22 years of lymphoma cancer. Um, and she prepared me and I didn't even realize to be able to understand how to support you. Mm -hmm. um, Y'all both went through similar things with me at the same time too, which helped me tell you things that I learned from her and vice versa. And listening to that took me all the way back to that moment when you called me and I was at my, one of my uh, former employers and I screamed, broke down. And I was about to quit, <laughs> but I had a friend that say, don't you need this job? And don't you got you know, the relationship of like, who cares? <laughs> I gotta go, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and 
I didn't know how, but any and everything you have ever asked me to do, I've always made sure that I can do it. So I was scared, but I was strong, but I was nervous because I wasn't there with you. Mm-hmm. I know you got amazing people around you, but I ain't giving Damn, I'm like, I'm not there. So something ain't right yet. But I'm glad that you had the team and the support and the love there to make sure that you are one whole now. You know, I respect them and I appreciate every single last one of them because um, I didn't want to lose you. I didn't. I was selfish. I'm like, hey, this day it ain't time for this behavior. You took everybody else. You gotta let me have my girl, man, you know. And um, it's nothing less than I what I would say now. I mm-hmm. feel like I kind of touched on a lot of that in this conversation, you know. Didn't you? Wasn't that weird? <laughs> it's really a full circle moment because I I haven't even looked at that mm-hmm. since I wrote it because it definitely took me a while. It took me two days and I wrote it in front of um my mate at the time I did and mm-hmm. I asked him you know I didn't care yeah. so, um but I've always treated you in that manner you know <laughs> my fault former exes but you always had a different place because of who you are to me you know mm-hmm. um but looking back and I remember seeing you when you lost your hair mm-hmm. and I remember listening to you no I remember watching you with your brother after you received the bone marrow I remember you having your anniversary with no hair Mm -hmm. I remember I just remember you know the conversations that we had and I'm looking at you now you got all your hair back (laughs) You're beautiful as ever. I remember when you was growing your hair back and it was curly. I'm like, oh, you got some curls in the dog. <laughs> got rid of the cook crack out of your hair. Now you got some real hair. You know, and I'm glad I wasn't wrong. You still are amazing. You still are beautiful. You still are in the essence of you. You've grown from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I live vicariously through your travels throughout the world. I can't wait till I can travel with you too. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but it's a blessing, you know, and I'm grateful that, um, we still are here at this moment to even share that, you know, it's important. Yeah. Because, uh, I love you dearly as a friend, you have been nothing less than, you know, everybody go through things, but you're right. We always find a way to come back to each other at some capacity. And that's, that's a true friendship to me. Yeah. I just think about, um, you know, in this moment of like being in such a zone and not, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't remember a lot. I I have that, (laughs) that thing that I do to like protect myself where I just store memories away. And honestly, I don't remember, um, unfortunately, but you are like my memory. I know. (laughs) Always been my memory right? We have conversations where I'm like, Alicia, I need you to remember these moments for me. 
Um, I can't, I can't process this right now. And being that person for me, I don't remember a lot of, a lot of what happened to me seven years ago, Alicia. Um, When you started saying, I remember when, I remember when, I remember when. Of course, some of those things stick out of me not having hair, me getting the transplant. Um, But the moments in between the major pieces of like, you know, the struggle, I don't remember it. I just blocked all of that out. And because of me blocking it out, just, I guess, a way of protecting, you know, me going through something so difficult, I don't remember what everybody else was doing. So like a part of this conversation is me thanking all of y'all for, you know, being there in whatever capacity, but like, what was it like for you dealing in that moment with someone so close to you, so close to death in this way? I'm just happy that you came through, you know, yeah. it was very tough. You know, you, like you said, you're right. You and I've had several <laughs> hard moments, you know, right. When I met you, you had just lost your mother and mm-hmm. a year later I lost mine mm-hmm. and I had become a parent sister mother to my brother. So it was very hard. I just, uh, every time I get to talk to you now, I just, I do go back to that moment and I have a very selective memory. (laughs) If you Mm -hmm. ask anybody like, you remember all that, you know, and I remember because I need you to write this autobiography. I think about that moment of like, you know, just like who was, you know, how are y'all doing? How are y'all doing with it? Cause one thing I realized is like, we don't talk about it. Um, we just talk in the present, which I, I live in the present. I am aware of, you know, how important it is to just live in moments, live in this moment. Yeah. Um, but also the impact that the past have on us, it's something to say about that. And there is like healing that needs to happen when you go through trauma. This was very traumatic for us all. Yeah. And as we have relationships it shows up um, as we continue to have our friendship when we don't talk about it like it never happened. I just sit back and wonder, like, are they scared to talk to me about this? <laughs> okay, so that part. I'll say this. It was very hard for me to watch you at some points of that mentally go through things. So me seeing you that way and knowing you that's another reason why I don't say nothing. Because right. When you say you seeing me that way, what is it that way? What does that mean? You were like, for a moment through you recovering and stuff, you became, it's understandable. You just became a little different. What and does that mean, Alicia? It means um, you are highly sensitive to things normally you the tough cookie you the one punching me in the chest like deal with it you know but you became vulnerable Mm -hmm. and of course it's understandable you know and then it's an uncertainty too dealing with new stuff procedures medication so I'm not holding it against you at all but it was just like okay this is different but like I said okay let me be a good friend and support her Mm -hmm and um be with her through this as much as I can so right. you know I only ask this because I don't know honestly 
again, those were real true blackouts, like yeah. parts of my memory that just has like, I don't know what lives there. I, it he was, was going through a breakup too. Yeah. And um, I wanted to stay too as calm as I needed to for the situation yeah. as well. I was choosing that 10% to respond differently yeah. <laughs> because, you know, we could say less about that. Right. So I want to go back to another part of this show where I read a letter from my guest. Um, and today, as you know, it's all on me. This letter was written um, June 4th. 2014, which makes it eight years old, almost to the day, a little over eight years. I wrote this letter and posted it. It was June 4th when I was told that I have AML, which is a type of cancer that affects the blood. Cancer tried to turn things upside down but it has been my mission to keep things right side up. There were so many decisions, work, the house, the pick line or port, my dog, my plants, my mail, FMLA, etc., that I had to make almost immediately the night that I was admitted to the hospital. I'm such a planner. So on that first day, I had a working list on several sticky notes of things to do, people to call, and even the order in which the calls were made. The order of the calls was very deliberate and the conversations were planned and rehearsed before I press send on my cell phone. A task force, hashtag Team Stubbs, you know who you are, I love you, was created and deployed to get the information out to people that I love and also provided them resources, information that they would need as things progress. These people have played a very significant role in my life during this very difficult time. I have not personally thanked you, so I want to hold this space today and say thank you. And I don't know where I would have been without you. The diagnosis affected not only myself, but also my family and friends. I felt scared, uncertain, and angry about the unwanted changes cancer would bring into my life and theirs. After I was diagnosed, I immediately started to feel a mix of emotions, like shock, disbelief, fear, anger, anxiety, guilt, sadness. I was depressed. I grieved. I felt numb and confused. I had trouble listening. I had trouble understanding. How could something like this happen? I, I didn't remember much of what people said to me during that time. Accepting the diagnosis and figuring out what being a cancer survivor 
means is challenging. I'm still trying to figure out how to care for my emotional needs, for myself, my physical needs. My journey through those days of darkness was life altering. I wasn't prepared. Um, there was no amount of preparation that could help me with the amount of sacrifice and loss, loss of hair, loss of family, loss of friendship, loss of a partner, and even a part of myself was lost. I had to face the darkest of days with thoughts of death, constantly thought about death and dying. There was bouts of depression over the years, insomnia. If you know me, you know I can't sleep. That's all a part of that PTSD. Going through all of this without a loving mother, without a praying grandmother, with an understanding that I would have to do this alone. So I wanted to have this conversation because that is what I did. I made friends with myself because I never wanted to feel alone again. So I had to begin to take the time to care for myself. Um, and now I'm seeing all of the things come together and improving. My relationships are more authentic. I feel more motivated. I don't mind doing the work. I don't mind doing the show. It doesn't even feel like work. The mistakes that I make, they're their lessons, never losses, right? We say lessons, no losses. Um, I don't feel like I'm spiraling out of control due to anxiety or depression. I have systems in place, I have strategies to deploy when the, these things are triggered. And I know that this is a journey and in time things get better. And long before I knew or heard the word resilient used to describe my actions, I was tapping into my resilience reservoir, putting some of those habits into practice. You know, I grew up in poverty during the late 80s. Well, I grew up during the 80s. <laughs> On the east side of Cleveland, during the crack epidemic, I had to be resilient. So I was doing things before I knew what that word meant. I was strong for so many folks. So take time to care for yourself. Because when you strengthen the relationship you have with yourself, you'll see other parts of your life improving too. Some of those strategies that I've talked about, um, I use during my coaching practice, I've seen firsthand, I've seen with myself, when things are difficult, I have a strategy to use. I have a system in place. But just take the time 
to pour back into yourself. Have that same urgency over your life that you have for your career or your side hustle or your small business or your family or your title as a CEO, mother, author, writer, attorney, teacher, doctor. Have that same type of urgency and agency over your life. Start with you first. When you have more time, when God gives you more time, every time you wake up, um, how are you using that? Um, After each test, whether it's in school or, you know, on a job or whatever, how are you using what you learn? Be the one to use what you learn. And I mean, you learn things every day through your experiences. It doesn't have to be cancer. Let us pray that it's not that. But I want to be the one. (laughs) I want to be the one to tell you there's life after cancer. I want to show you through my experience that there's life after cancer. Um, Going back to you know, being a product of my environment and how Cleveland, we've always been the mistake by the lake. If you know anything about Cleveland um, or if you're from Cleveland, we've always been the people that have gotten, you know, laughed at, made fun of, shitted on, whether it's they make movies about us or there's some joke in a TV series about going to Cleveland or nothing being in Cleveland. Um, Cleveland is a, is the city that I come from, no pun intended, but that place is what made me, what brought me up and presented me as this woman to the world, the rest of the world. I was presented by Cleveland like that's what birthed me, you know, that's what shaped me and molded me that the grit and grime of the city life in Cleveland. And it wasn't always fun. Um, But I feel like I have a responsibility to uphold the reputation of Cleveland. Like I have, you know, being black, you have a black tax, right? We all know about the black tax. But when you from Cleveland and you black and you a woman and you gay, what, what, how many different taxes is that? God damn, like it ain't even fair no more. But I'm going to be the one to survive all of that shit and uphold a certain class and reputation that defies all the eyes to show the world there is life after Cleveland. Even I have to show my family my friends, the people that I left there, that there's more to Cleveland. I have to show them that there's more to life than just that. Then I have this other foot in this other world where I have to show the world that Cleveland gives birth to people like me, jewels, people of value, of substance. People that you want on your team that bring something to the table, right? I feel like I have to play both sides of that. 
and show them that, you know, even though that's what created me, what gave birth to me, what molded me and shaped me, um, I can still survive in the private sector or in corporate America or in a fine dining fucking restaurant. I know how to use the utensils that are in front of me when it's not just a fork and a plate, you know, to show the world that you can have a foot in both of those worlds and still come out okay. Not to say that you won't have some anxiety, you won't have some guilt, um, but I can't play victim. That's one thing I don't want anyone that's surviving anything to do because you just suffer, right? You don't get to live. You don't get to live. And if you're getting more time and every day, I feel like each one of us wake up with more time. You're supposed to live. God gave you more time. So live. And I hope there's someone else out there that can say, I'm going to break the cycle for my family. I'm going to be the one who break the cycle. And we will no longer be a generation where we are codependent or we are not doing things. We are not movers and shakers because, I mean, our ancestors already paid for, as Oprah say, paid for our crown. We stand on the shoulders of greatness. Like, why can't we? If I had nothing coming up and I'm able to do all of this, if I'm able to survive anyway in spite of, that's grit. That's resilience. That's strength. That's within each and every one of us. You can't buy that. That doesn't come prepackaged. That can't be taught to anyone. That's what God implanted in us. Have you tapped into that? That is the part that I want people to understand, too, of just really living, being able to live fully. I have a, you know, kind of really maneuver through this thing, not just with the stress that comes with the balancing act of my home, where I'm from, and being true to that, to where I am now, and what I'm doing, and and honoring and saying I deserve that. But then I'm a woman, I'm black, I'm queer, and so many other things that can prevent me from living fully or get in the way of me living fully because it can only prevent me if I allow it. So I got to figure out what matters and what's most important in my life. There were so many nuggets that I took away from today's episode. Part of resilience is facing difficult things head on and the ability to move forward by growing through every part of life's process. Struggling, as you know, is a natural part of living. But what matters most is how we react to the struggle. So if you are interested in exploring strategies around this work with a trusted, certified coach, 
you can reach out to me directly on my website, www.thecatalystgroup.net. That's www.thecatalystgroup.net. Or send an email to me, mstubbs at thecatalystgroup.net. That's M-S-T-U-B-B-S at T-H-E-C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T-G-R-O-U-P dot N-E-T. Remember to follow, like, and share this episode. And if you enjoyed what you heard, remember to leave a five-star review for me. You can continue this discussion on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following me at The Catalyst. That's T-H-E underscore C-A-T-A, the number one, Y-S-T, with the hashtag The Catalyst Coach. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of Point Six Eight, The Catalyst Effect. A special thank you to my guests for being so open and vulnerable as we define moments of resilience together. And I hope that you, my listeners, will continue to join me for these monthly chats. And maybe, just maybe, one day we can all dream of never being called resilient again.